Welcome to the Nativist Podcast, where we tap into our instinct and natural power to live intuitively. The ultimate goal is to leave the world healthier and more beautiful than we found it. It all starts on the individual level by cultivating our mind-body connection. Whether you're on a healing journey or just want to look and feel your best, I hope by the end you feel a little happier, a little more inspired, and a little more invested in yourself and the world. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Thank you. Hey, I am glad you're here. I am glad especially because today I kind of went rogue on what I'm going to talk about. Initially, I was going to do an episode on ADHD, my experience with that, my journey with that. I will still do that. But I also, well not also because I won't be talking about ADHD today, but I wanted to talk about something I feel like is even more pressing and I've touched on it quite a bit on my social media, but it's still a relevant, increasingly relevant topic and something we're facing every day. And it's just, oh my gosh, there's so much to unpack here and talk about and I'm really excited to get into it, but gosh, a little overwhelmed with talking about it all. And I obviously won't cover every little thing to be covered, but I'll do my best to touch on the highlights. So what prompted this reroute today was I had posted on a book I recently read, and that book is called Dreamland, and it is oh, it's so, so good, and I recommend the full title is Dreamland, The True Tell of America's Opiate Epidemic by Sam Quinona's author, and he you can find him on social media um, at Sam Quinone's author. And I don't even know if I said his name correctly. But anyways, so what I really liked, I liked a few things about this book. And I shared some of my highlights on social media. So I'll go over those first and then get into like the reroute and all of that. This is part of it. And it's all related. And so... Like I said, and I've said before on here and in my addiction series podcast, if you listen to those, addiction affects all of us, you guys, all of us. It affects us economically, socially, psychologically, all of that. It affects our health and healthcare, our public health, our personal health. Even if you don't personally use or abuse, you're affected directly and indirectly. And so here are some more truths and some takeaways that I gathered from the book and also that we've talked about before. So first of all, addiction does not discriminate by race, by class, by education level, by status, by religion. And as the book and many of our own experiences and observations tell us and repeatedly show, white middle-class kids and parents succumb to addiction. It levels the field for all of us. We're, no matter what demographic you fit into, you can experience addiction. And it doesn't just happen in back alleys and trailer parks. It's everywhere and takes many different forms. This isn't just pills and medicine too. Addictions take many different forms and have varying levels of social acceptance, right? I mean, there's addiction to work, addiction to exercise. Those can be just as unhealthy and deadly, but they're respected in society. So anyways, something to think about. 
Okay, next. Addiction is not a moral failing or a character judgment. It is a very real disease requiring sustained multidisciplinary treatment, addressing all areas of life. So you need the psychiatric counseling, you need the medical counseling and rehabilitation, and you need all of those different facets of care to be successful. And you need grace and compassion and sunlight. Put sunlight on it. That is the best disinfectant, literally and figuratively. And people who go into rehab, three to six weeks in rehab won't cut it. The brain needs to relearn how to properly function, learn or relearn how to properly function. It really affects your brain chemistry, drug use, and addiction. Okay, next. Stigma and shame surrounding addiction simply inflame and perpetuate it. They make it worse and they make it last longer. And they block necessary support, resources, and awareness. The less it's openly talked about, the less it's addressed, treated, and helped. And the more people unnecessarily suffer. Addiction's ripple effect is wide, deep, lasting, and devastating. In the book, it talks about these families who were too scared to speak up and felt too ashamed to speak up and admit, yeah, my son, my 19-year-old son died from an overdose. My 20-year-old daughter, a straight-A student, died of an overdose. And so then nothing happens. And then people don't feel like they can share their stories or share that it's an issue and you can't gauge what a growing issue it is. You can't offer them support. And it's just, gosh, it's just heartbreaking. Next, pain has a purpose. And this is really fascinating what he touched on in his book and an age-old question. Okay, so pain has a purpose, physically, emotionally, etc. This book raises deep, existential, 2,000-year-old questions on humans' relationship to pain and suffering and what happens when you try to elim- eliminate it entirely. So pain, I mean, opiate use isn't just restricted to this century or this country. It's been going on for millennia it's been going on for so long and people trying to numb pain legitimate pain emotional pain physical pain all of it and it's just it really raises some deep questions about pain and our relationship to it and the author references one of my favorite books the coddling of the american mind i think i've talked about it on here before i know i've talked about it on social media but the, the coddling of the American mind is all about fragility and anti-fragility and what you would expect, coddling the youth of today. And um, so this Dreamland book also discusses how much of our youth today are shielded from physical and emotional pain and discomfort, therefore hindering their development of resilience and their ability to function in the real world, quote unquote, real world, where shiz happens and where people disagree where people differ where people abuse and disrespect where things go sideways you know freaking life and i mean you have these debates on whether and political correctness whether or not there should be trigger warnings on people just not able to withstand like physical discomfort or emotional discomfort and they're just expecting the world to accommodate them to to accommodate their their need for comfort. And that's just not the way that it works. And that's not the way that you'd want it to work. Then you just leave a very hollow existence. You're not empowered or fulfilled. And then you just feel empty. And then what happens when you have emptiness and voids? You want to fill that. And what do we use 
to fill those voids. A lot of people use substances and that's, that's where we are. So in other words, getting physically and emotionally banged up is good and necessary to be able to handle life's curvies. Okay, next. Only when people in power started seeing their family and or friends affected by addiction did change start happening. Regulations and laws start popping up and opposite political agendas start aligning. So this wasn't not until certain people in power had their daughters or their sons affected by it. People of good repute, people who had great reputations in society, doctors, lawyers, judges, police officers, all of this, and then, you know, think that they're above the riffraff and, well, no, my kid doesn't do that. My kid is well-bred and my kid is well-raised and my kid comes from a good home or a loving home or my kid is, I mean, if you get racist, my kid is white. My kid is of a certain economic status and that that doesn't matter with addiction. And it's been shown this opiate epidemic is wiping out the white suburban middle class that's what's getting hit the hardest and succumbing the most to it so addiction doesn't discriminate i mean before drug use was seen as an issue of poor people of people of certain socioeconomic statuses or skin colors plot twist that's not the case that's not the case and then i also shared a page from the book that was so good and because it had a lot of gems in it and um i will read it so it talks about the outsourcing mentality has cost us millions and millions of jobs we have now done that for 30 some years and we have literally destroyed our manufacturing base in this country the true entrepreneurial spirit of the u.s has to be about more than that it has to be about people relationships about building communities money that comes You'll get that eventually, but happiness comes from these other things. I never spent long reporting the story about pills and heroin without people getting around to happiness and how to achieve it. It, And then this is the author quoting someone. It wasn't about the laces. It was about the people, said Davis, who was also a Republican Party leader in Seattle County. America bought into Charles Dickens's Scrooge. They couldn't get past making the money. But it is about taking care of the family of Bob Cratchit. It is taking care of tiny t- Tim that matters, that actually brings joy into your life. We forgot that. We were quite content to have our workers throw a piece of coal on the fire to stay warm. And then it goes on. But there are a lot of different aspects to unpack with that. First of all, the outsourcing mentality. And I don't want to get political and because the point of all of this is moderation to show that we need balance. We don't need partisanship. Neither one side has the answer. Spoiler alert, that's what this is about. So let it be known unequivocally, I am not taking sides. I'm saying we should not be taking sides because we need both sides. And there should be sides. Okay, so the outsourcing mentality, and this talks about like the economic factors that led to this. We'll get into that in a little bit. Um, the true entrepreneurial spirit. There's nothing wrong. I am... I'm an entrepreneur and I'm a big believer in small businesses and taking care of them and fiscal responsibility. And I get frustrated with financial waste and when certain entities don't manage their money well and especially how it affects others and then they say that they don't have money or they miss a lot of funds or mismanage I It drives me crazy. If you... <laughs> you've likely heard my rant on it it drives me crazy and you can see that in my own life I 
Well, I mean, everybody has their priorities as far as where they spend their money, but I don't have any debt. And it's very important to me to be responsible with my money, to live within my means and to spend what I have. And so I'm not, I'm not all about, let's just throw money at the problem or any of the other aspects you see on either side of the political aisle. My point, there is merit on both sides and Another point that I wanted to make from this page that I just read from was the collective spirit too, and this points to that. So it acknowledges both sides. And so it's acting collectively and considering collectively and considering the collective, I should say, and taking care of each other and the collective, taking care of your little pocket, your neighborhood, your family, your clan, whatever. And then also caring about the collective and how your actions can affect them, not just getting your dollar, even if it screws everybody else over. Why can't it be both? Why can't we take care of the individuals and everyone else? And it doesn't mean that there needs to be overreach. And it doesn't mean that there needs to be total isolation. And I mean, it doesn't have to be either or. And so that also prompted some discussions And that's what I'm going to cover today. But this touches on what we're seeing even more. I don't, you hear about how this might be the most divided we've ever been in our history. I don't know, man. I mean, the Civil War was pretty freaking divided. And I think there's been division all throughout the years of our country's history, of our world history. There's always been division. And so it's not that, oh, we're just more divided than we've ever been. I don't know. We lost... Thousands of lives fighting each other, a bloody war, the Civil War. So I just think it's just a continuing human problem. And I <laughs> clearly we haven't conquered it. Clearly we haven't figured it out. But I'm here to offer my view on it. And this is just my view. That goes without saying that this is my view. And I don't have all of the answers. And I want to say that loudly and clearly up front. That's my point. I don't have all of the answers. No one person has all of the answers. No one political party has all of the answers. No one ideology has all of the answers. So why would we rely on one to give us all of the answers? That really doesn't even make any sense. That's not reasonable. To me, that's just not reasonable. I'm smart enough to know that I don't have the answers. I'm smart enough to know (laughs) that I have blind spots and I have filters and biases and there are just things that I haven't considered or things that I maybe weigh too heavily or ignore or dismiss or vice versa. And I need checks and balances. I need somebody else to check me and be like, well, did you think about this? Or here's a double standard or here's this. And then I can offer the same too. We need multiple perspectives. And so specifically getting into a conversation on stemming from the Dreamland book, but the situation that we're in as a country and why we're in the situ- in this situation. Um, but this particular discussion centered on, well, what we should do about the situation, not necessarily like the why. And that's what I really think is important to focus on. And referencing the quote by the Archbishop Desmond Tutu that I've said on here before, it's not just about pulling people out of the river It's about going upstream and figuring out why they're falling in in the first place. I mean, just pulling them out of the river doesn't solve the problem and the problem will continue. 
And even if it stopped for now, doesn't mean that it won't recur. I mean, you got to go in, can't just slap, slap a bandaid on the problem. You got to figure out why the problem exists. So then you can diagnose the problem. Isn't there a quote by like Albert Einstein or something that was like, if you had however much time to solve a problem or whatever, he would spend 99% of it just figuring out what the problem was. And then the last 1% of his time on actually coming up with the solution, you got to understand what you're facing. And that's important. And it's important to remember that we don't live in a vacuum. We live in a complex world with grayness and nuances and complexities. And everybody's contributing and ripple effect, a ripple effect of 7 billion times. I mean, that's a lot of ripple effects that are going on and we're all connected and affecting each other and impacting each other now and in the future. And that's a lot going on. And it's not just one side. This country, let's talk about America. This country wasn't just led by one political party. And even the two political parties switched. So that's fun fact. But it wasn't just led by one political party. And so we both have policies that come from either side, politicals and conservatives. And so we're in the situation that we're in because of both sides. If we're saying that the system doesn't work, that's a system created by both sides. Do we see this? So why would we, why would we rely on one side to fix it? Then that would just keep us off kilter and imbalanced. And that's, that's something that I really think is important to remember that we can't just have, it, I think it's about balance. And I think that's the key to life. And I keep finding that over and over and over and over. I have like two tattoos representing that, that it's about balance. And it's about whatever brings us back to balance. I mean, like on a side note, it's just like why some advice re resonates with you. Let's say that you hear a piece of advice and you're like, ah. Uh, like that doesn't really resonate with you or it's not really meaningful or valuable to you, that's because you might not need that nugget to bring you back to balance. It's about what brings you back to balance. And that's kind of what you're wanting in life, right? You need both sides, the yin and the yang. You need the suffering because that provides contours and that provides meaning to the highs. You need the lows. You need that juxtaposition. You need that contrast. And you need, there's value in both. All sunshine makes a desert. That's an um, Arab proverb. Like you need to have both sides. Okay, so kind of going back to American politics too. Um, I also want to say that it's entirely possible to separate a personality from a policy. So let's say that there's a politician that you don't like. Just because you don't like that person doesn't mean they necessarily have a bad policy. And I think that can turn us off to a lot of good policy or ideas and suggestions. If it's a jackass that's suggesting it, sure, you I might automatically doubt it or, you know, not cling to it and jump on it and be like, yeah, let's do it. But we could miss out on some really good ideas and innovations if we just blanket reject anything. And or we could let in a lot of shit if we just blanket accept from a, a personality that we that we respect. I mean, nobody gets a nobody makes 100% of the shots that they make or that they take. So 
we just, as much as we can, as hard as it can be, got to stay open as much as we can. And that goes for political parties, too. And political parties, two-party system. America is like one of the only countries in the world who has a two-party political system. I think it's severely limiting. People are multifaceted. Political parties are not. Shouldn't political party be multifaceted too? Shouldn't there be options? How can just two parties capture all of it? How can that just be contained? I mean, think of think of how think of all of your interests and the layers that you have and the interests and beliefs that you have and some are in tension, some are in conflict, some are not, some contradict each some can contradict each other, some don't. For one party to encompass all that you believe and have experienced and are, that just is wildly unrealistic. I mean, for very few fringe people, sure, maybe, but just two parties, we need options. And it only it only fosters innovation and good ideas and helps the balance of power and all of that. So that's the thing. Like, again, going back to America, both liberals and conservatives have necessary perspectives and pieces to the puzzle. If either one is in sole control, we'll be imbalanced. I think that we should take a holistic approach to whatever we're looking at, like especially this opiate epidemic and economic crisis. Why, why just take one? I mean, why just use one facet of one approach or of one ideology? Why just use one ideology? I mean, I don't think, and I'm trying to be careful about what I talk about because I really am not trying to, I'm not, like I've said, my whole point is not to get partisan, is to urge against partisanship. I just think that multiple ideologies have value. And so, like, capitalism has value. Environmentalism has value. Um, like with capitalism, you have empowerment, autonomy, self-reliance, self-realization, Fiscal responsibility in the government is crucial, but also playing the short game with fossil fuels could be considered self-defeating because economics don't matter when the world is literally on fire and we don't have a place to live, so that could be argued too, right? And so you see how you need to consider both sides to fill in those blind spots or illuminate those blind spots? And all of this is at play. All of these economic factors and social factors and all of that and their consequences are at play and prime the situation for where we are now and created the situation that we have now for our economic status now in this country and our social status and what's going on with drug problems and uh, wage disparity and all of that and all of these headaches that we have and that we're facing and all of these hot topics that we're arguing about how to solve and all of that. We have all of these multiple contributor, contributors at play. And so the problem is multifaceted and so must be the solution, I would say, I would think, right? I mean, it's not that just one half is evil and is the villain and doesn't get it and they're trying to ruin everything and they're out to ruin us all. Do you see how limited that thinking is? It's not just one side. That's part of the problem is thinking it's just one side thinking it's just the other half who just doesn't get it, who's dumb or stupid or immoral or just ignorant or whatever, and thinking that only your half has all of the answers. I mean, like I said, I don't have all of the answers. And so, like, even me, this is just me offering my view and my perspective. But I ha find it hard to find fault in 
a perspective that encourages multiple perspectives, right? It's not like I'm arguing just for one side. I'm saying, let's at least consider all sides. If we want the very best, most comprehensive solution, that's what I think it would take. I mean, are there selfish jerks everywhere in the government and everywhere that aren't looking out for our best interest or for the country's best interest or playing the short game for themselves? Yeah, there are on both sides, on both sides. We've got to remember that. And I think people as a whole, though, are trying to achieve the same goal. We're all humans with the same basic needs. Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? And we just have very different ideas of how to do so, of how to achieve those needs. And both sides have something to contribute. I mean, checks and balances in a large sense, right? It's not even reasonable that only one side, like I said, would have all of the answers. And just recognizing that there may be value and merit in in any ideology. And you don't have to just pick one side, maybe currently in the voting booth, but not at home, not in your heart, not in your discussions with others. And only when we have enough people who connect and unite will we be able to allow more than just two sides. Will we be able to have more than just one party? And it can feel defeating to (laughs) feel like you're just inundated with all this division. And I think the media does a really good job of making us feel like that. And I, I think a lot more people are towards the center are more moderate than the media makes them out to be. And I think that's important to keep in mind. But it's not just the media dividing us, though. It's the thoughts we think, the information we seek or ignore, the language we use. We are society. What we allow continues. What we feed grows, right? And... Like, I think you'd see, especially in the American political system, I mean, you get the Republicans in power and then people get fed up with them and nothing is better, changes or whatever, and that's all subjective. But And then the Democrats come in and then they can screw things up too. And then everybody's like, okay, we need, we need balance. You see how it usually swings back and forth from Republicans to Democrats because we just need balance. And that's like the system and the people trying to achieve balance and restore balance there's always that vacillation with power and so then you get the pendulum swing to the other side so then the next four years you get a republican in power and then the next four years a democrat are in power every eight years and so you just see that pendulum swing because when we get tilted to one side then we need balance so we try to right ourselves And that makes you think, maybe we need to reconsider and re-examine our two-party system and the problem doesn't necessarily lie with either side, but the system itself. Food for thought. I'm not saying that is what it is. I'm not saying anything. I'm saying just let's think, let's consider other perspectives. I mean, it's such an age-old and nuanced and layered debate on what's right and wrong anyways, right? And no one side has a monopoly on that. It's got, think of all the, oh my, would you rather questions that I throw out every week. If you haven't followed me, you should, because they're so fun. And I usually try to do at least one curveball or one really just painfully hard 
would you rather moral dilemma question that just tears you up just even reading it because I'm trying to push the point that there's so much grayness and to try to think okay well maybe if somebody chose a different route than I did doesn't mean that they're a monster doesn't mean that they're immoral or wrong it just means it was different because a lot of these just feel impossible so like I said I I think both sides contributed to where we are right now so if both sides got us into it and I have like sides quote unquote sides I mean it sure wasn't just one side or one ideology that got us into the situation that we're in both sides right so wouldn't it make sense for both sides to have insight on getting us out and if you're dismayed and disappointed and frustrated with this country you are not alone I think most people are no matter what your ideology is, no matter what your political party is, even if you're an independent, I think a lot of people are very frustrated right now. And that doesn't mean that you're not a patriot. I think that shows that you are invested, though. If you are complaining, that shows that you care. Apathy is when you've just completely checked out and you're like, I don't give a flying, you know what? I just totally zone. I don't care. But no, when you're complaining, that, that shows you're still invested. You still care. You're still giving it attention. You still care. And that's healthy and that's good. And that's how we get to where we need to get. And I mean, if we just let one side call all the shots, that would be just as damaging. And we, we just need to come together. We just need just that cheesy line. We just need to unite and just at least consider. And that's that's one main theme, I think, of all of my work and my content that I create is just to consider that there's another side, multiple sides, to look at anything. Even, gosh, that, that dress, that blue, blue and black dress versus the gold and white dress. I mean, people would come unhinged. They would go nuclear just getting so upset that people were saying it was black and gold or white and gold when it's clearly black and blue and vice versa. And that just goes to show you can so clearly see something one way and be so convinced that's reality and that's how it is and completely dismiss somebody else's way of thinking at it, of looking at it, and their view is just as legitimate, just as legitimate. So why would we not allow for variation and that's healthy. We need the variation. We need different ways of looking at things and just expanding your mind. That is one of my triggers. It, To be honest, it just pisses me off when people just act like their opinion and their way of thinking is just how it is. They just don't even consider that there's another way to look at it or another way to be or another way to think, act, live, dress, just everything. Just There are so many different perspectives out there so many why would you limit yourself and it's arrogant to limit yourself and a lot of there are a lot of psychological factors and emotional factors that contribute to that yes we're not getting into that we're just talking at least right now on the surface i mean just let's be better let's just continue to open our minds even when it's painful and it hurts and we don't want to and we're so convinced that we are right let's just push past that it's it's our only hope because what we're doing isn't working. Close-mindedness isn't working. Close-mindedness is what has brought us the issues and problems in this world and this life. And so just open your hearts and open your minds. 
And speaking of that, I have, I got some more t-shirts um, printed and so I'll be launching those soon. Open eyes, open hearts, open minds. So let me know if you want one. I'll have them available on my website and thank you. Thank you for listening to this. Thank you for listening to my rant. Thank you for caring and I appreciate you. I appreciate you so much. Thank you.